Welcome to the Viato Podcast's special series, Retail Revival. In the series, we'll be taking a closer look at the operational challenges, issues, and opportunities dealers across the country are facing with the COVID-19 crisis. In each series episode, Viato thought leaders and dealers will share their insights and perspectives to help you manage your business today and find your way to a brighter tomorrow. I'm your host, Lance Helgeson with Viato. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Mike Gibble, General Manager for Ira Jack Chevrolet Cadillac in Seiko, Maine, as well as Matt Kondik, an Implementation Manager for KBB Instant Cash Offer. Now, I've brought Mike and Matt to this episode to talk about some of the things that dealers are doing to facilitate new and used vehicle sales using a safe, socially distant process that shifts many of the aspects of the purchase process that we used to do in person to online and at home. Mike, thank you for joining us. Matt, thank you for joining us, too. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you. You bet. Now, Mike, before we dive into some of the things you're doing at your store to take care of customers and sell cars, for the sake of our listeners, let's put you on the map a little bit. Tell me about your store. How many pre-pandemic, how many new and used vehicle sales were you guys doing in a typical month? And where are you at in terms of sales volume right now in the current situation? So we acquired the store about six months ago. It's a Chevrolet Cadillac dealership on a little auto mile in Saco, Maine. So we typically do about 80 cars, about 40 new, 40 used. This month, we're about 80% of our new car volume, as we typically are month to date. And I attribute that to a lot of the new car incentives and a lot of the marketing that's out there, all the 0% and deferred payments promotions that are going on. That's what's driving a lot of the traffic. And in the beginning of the month, our used cars were really down. Now we've sort of started to pick back up, but we're at about 60% of where we usually are month to date for used cars. Let me ask you this, Mike. In terms of the buyers, now you mentioned a good point, and I think this is true for other dealers who are fortunate enough to be able to sell cars in the current situation, but are you seeing anything different about the buyers? And I'm specifically wondering if it's, say, people who are in a car that maybe isn't all that old, but they perhaps think that they can help their monthly budget by taking advantage of some of these incentives. I'm curious what flavor you might be seeing there. Yeah, so we see all sorts. It's not one more than the other, but that certainly is a draw for a lot of customers. Everybody's asking for the 0%, you know, right off the bat. That's what they come in for. They expect a super low payment and they're looking to replace their not-so-old vehicles with new vehicles. So that's what we're seeing a lot of. Is that true for both new and used or more, I guess, on used? Is there any distinction? Are we talking about my car broke down and I need to replace it, or what's driving the used buyers? The used buyers, it's the typical used buyer. I don't think there's any sort of one type that stands out for us anyway. It's the regular hey, I'm trying to find affordable transportation or I need another car for our family or or whatever it may be. Gotcha. Now, prior to this podcast, I did look on your website, Mike, and I liked the videos that you did. Tell the listeners, you know, what these videos are, what their purpose is, and, you know, how they came about. Where did you get the idea from? 
So we know that people like videos, and we've already developed a video process to respond to leads. So we had all the equipment, we had all the personnel in place, and as the pandemic started to increase, we noticed that all the dealerships had a little blurb on their website about how, you know, they're going by the CDC guidelines of keeping everybody safe and, you know, they'll bring a car to you and sort of standard stuff. So we wanted to give our customers just sort of an outline and a visual explanation of how it's going to happen. And, you know, in our video, we show our video team being dispatched, showing them take a video of the car. We show the car coming into the driveway. We have all the protective stuff on the car, the steering wheel cover, the seat cover. We disinfect it. That sort of worked for us. In looking at the video, I noticed that there's a step in there that's about perhaps a sales associate walking around the car, sort of introducing the car the consumer has expressed interest in. I wonder, is that any different now than it was, say, pre-pandemic? No. In fact, that's what made it easy for us to sort of show our process. That was the process. If you put in a lead on a car, on a new car, if we have any sort of engagement with the customer, we're going to pull the car right up and do a video for the customer. The same thing with with the used car. Every used car lead, we create a video for the customer. Just a quick, you know, one and a half minute introduction of the vehicle, introduction of the person behind the email so that they know, hey, this is a real person I'm dealing with. They seem to have a personality. I know who I'm dealing with instead of just the regular emails back and forth. Okay, okay. Now, I should have asked this before, but are you still working with the same number of sales associates and things that you had before all this began, or are you looking at a smaller team? We've got the same number of folks. We've reduced the hours a little bit just to make sure that everybody can stay busy while they're here. But, yeah, the total hours have reduced. We've changed our store hours a little bit. We're starting at 10 o'clock instead of 9 o'clock, and we're closing at 6 every day instead of typically 8 o'clock. Okay. And I did notice, I guess, as another point of context, your doors are closed, but you're open. And that means appointment-only type engagements with customers. Is that correct? That's right. So that's really been the challenge because although we have implemented this online and home delivery process, we're still seeing folks come on the lot And when they come on the lot, we are not allowed to let them into the showroom. Our our governor made it very clear that customers are not allowed into our sales showroom. So we sort of have them call us. We put a sign on the front door, and then they call us, and we find out what kind of vehicle they're looking for. We'll go out, we'll pull the car up, and then if they want to take a test drive there, they can. So that's been a challenge also. But, you know, people are sick of staying in their houses, and they come out and roam in the lots, and and they knock on the door. We can't turn them away, but we try to keep everybody safe and still conduct business. So out of the customers that you're seeing, I guess I'm curious, how many are those that may actually start by knocking on the door or calling versus those who may be following through online and finding a car and contacting you through online channels? During the week, the majority of our customers are online or over the phone. But on Saturday, we see a lot of traffic in the lot. I see. I see. And out of the videos, there were two that I watched, Mike. One was kind of an overview of what you're doing at the dealership. The other was a little bit more of a drill down into what your new sales process looks like. 
I'm curious, which of those is getting more attention from customers today? The sales process video is, is getting the most attention, for sure. Okay. Okay. And just to flip it back to you, Matt, for a moment. Now, Mike has described a couple of aspects of his sales process, providing at-home services. I'm curious, what are you seeing from other dealers? How does it compare and contrast to what you're hearing now from Mike? Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of, you know, really great and progressive-minded stores out there. You know, some have even been offering, you know, similar services like that for a long time, but not on a massive adoption level, right, with most of the industry. And what I really liked about Mike's video is it wasn't just, to his point earlier, anecdotal of we're open and, and we're here to keep you safe and we're following all these guidelines. It was very specific. He didn't wait for the perfect process or the perfect software tool to come out to keep his business going. He put out a video with the resources he had in place and explained the step-by-step to make it work and what you need to do to, if you need to buy a car right now. That's what I really think set him apart in this right now. Something that a lot of stores could take note of is that immediate communication and planning to their consumers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good point. Good point. And Mike, going back to you, let's dive into the appraisal process. And I guess maybe I'm curious if it's different between those two types of customers that you described. One being the folks that are coming to you online versus the other of folks who might be knocking on the door who may have a car to appraise. And so walk me through how your appraisal process works and how you keep that safe and socially distant in either scenario. So in both scenarios, what we're typically doing is we're trying to keep as much of the traditional sales process as we can, right? The typical appraisal is the salesperson will go out with the customer with their provisioning app, take the photos of the car, almost like the old silent walk around while the customer is there so they see what's happening. And then they'll go through the KBB ICO process and ask all the questions and really drill down into the condition of the vehicle. That's how we used to do it pre-pandemic. Now, if the customer comes onto the lot, we're trying to do that in front of the customer so that they can see it, maybe as they're going out on the test drive, because we can't go on the test drive with them. And then, you know, after we take the photos, then call them over the phone and then explain to them the KBB ICO process and ask all the questions and really drill down and explain to them how we're coming up with the offer and, and how the ICO process works. So they'll do it over the phone and say, okay, so they want to know the tire depth. Okay, looks like two front tires need to be replaced. They'll click that off and sort of do it as if the customer was in front of them, but it's over the phone. Same thing if we're bringing the car to their house. We just need to explain the process. And when the customer is on the test drive, we'll take those photos and plug the vehicle in and then over the phone with the ICO questions. And then, you know, a whole other part that we haven't really discussed is a lot of our trade-ins are sight unseen. So if the customer isn't really ready to have us come out or isn't ready to bring the vehicle in to have it appraised, we're doing a lot of sight unseen appraisals. And then we're having the customer send us the pictures. We sort of almost make the customer go to work for us and explain to them. And they're being a lot more transparent in terms of the condition of the vehicle. We'll ask them, hey, take some pictures of the outside take a picture of the tire depth, make sure you really take a picture of any scratches or defects or damage and all that sort of stuff. So it opens their eyes to the condition of the car and it helps us when we present the numbers and they've got stake in the game and they're participating in the process. 
you mentioned something there kind of in passing, Mike, but do you get the sense that customers now in this current climate are perhaps a little more honest about their cars when you're asking them to do some of the evaluation? Yeah, I really feel that they are. It's a process, and you know, sometimes they really enjoy the process. They're really participating in it, and you know, oftentimes they'll just go on KBB and check off excellent condition and say, well, you know, the old uh, KBB said my car's worth 20000 bucks, and you're telling me it's fifteen. It really puts them in the process, puts them in our shoes, and as long as you explain the process well and how we're getting these numbers, they're uh, a lot more receptive. Speaking to that transparency, so maybe the number that they have in their mind versus the number that you come up with or KBB ICO brings to you, how much friction are you seeing today between those two numbers, if any, now versus, say, maybe pre-pandemic? I think it's less friction. I think it's less friction, especially on the side of seeing appraisals. You know, you're running into a couple of things. If they're participating in the process and they're captive to us, I think there's less friction. But what's happening is, of course, you know, we might not be the only dealership that they're calling. And then some of the other dealerships are throwing out numbers to, you know, get them in the door, quote unquote. That's not working. Although we have to overcome that objection when they say the guy down the street offered me three grand more for my trade-in. Do you typically find, though, that your process wins at the end of the day, even if your number isn't quite as good? Most of the time it does. You know, again, we have to explain about how we price our vehicles. We talk about our transparent pricing right from the beginning. We show them prices for our cars. We show them prices for their cars. We don't lump it all together. And I feel most customers appreciate that. You know, there's always uh, F-type customers that are going to want to butt heads and call 100 dealerships. And, you know, and that customer has an opportunity to flourish in this environment, too, because they don't have to come in. They don't they're not captive to you sometimes if they're just calling around and people are more more willing to give out numbers. So, you know, that guy's always going to be around though. That's true. That's true. Matt, I want to flip it to you here for a second. Mike described a couple elements of how he's handling appraisals, and I know you're out talking to other dealers. I'm curious, you and I spoke earlier about what I think we described as a touchless appraisal lane. How does that work, and how does it maybe compare and contrast to what Mike's doing? So, I mean, Mike's doing a great job of going to people's houses and customers still being able to show up at their lot. One thing we're struggling in the Pennsylvania and Michigan markets specifically are sales operations that are completely closed and shut down. And so those stores that have restricted or limited sales operations, most of the time they still have an open service department. We've been having conversations with dealers on how they can still facilitate a physical inspection of a vehicle if that customer is willing to come to their service drive and be provided a safe environment. And to Mike's point, right, explain the process to the consumer that we can still get, you know, hands and eyes on a car and and do the actual inspection to get as accurate of a virtual trade number as possible, whether they uh, just come and go and it's a service advisor or a mechanic or somebody of the sort doing that inspection, or if there's actually a buyer or used car manager, somebody uh, working in the service department area to to do those inspections. But, you know, it's about keeping that conversation going in a socially distant, you know, compliant way. And in those cases, Matt, I guess I'm curious, if the dealership isn't really able to sell cars, what is the purpose of the appraisal to sort of set up a sale that might occur after the pandemic passes? Yeah, especially like in Pennsylvania, that's one thing that's definitely happening, setting up, you know, a pipeline, if you will, of opportunity. 
you know, making sure they let their customers know, hey, we can still help you, even though we can't help you maybe right now today. I know one other thing that has happened, like in Michigan, and today, I mean, just coincidentally, today, Michigan's opening back up for online sales only. So that's a good start. But they were still able to have provisions in there for things that were deemed emergencies situations for sales. So things like lease returns or first responders that might need a vehicle. So they're still able to do those sorts of transactions. So it's important that, you know, to still build the inspections on vehicles like that. I got two other questions, gentlemen, here before we close out. One, Mike, thank you for walking us through what you're doing. I'm kind of curious if you had to list one or two lessons learned, you know, something that you, where maybe you went one way and had to pivot and go a different way as all this has happened, what might those be? I think the first lesson is getting away from your typical instincts, right? So if somebody calls up, your first goal is, hey, when do you want to come in and drive that car? That's what we've always been taught. That's what our instincts are. And we've learned that we sort of have to try to get that sale without getting the customer in and creating that sort of urgency and you got to buy today and all that sort of stuff. That was one thing. And then the second thing is, you know what you're going to put in the car, you know what you're going to sell the car for, and just be as transparent right from the beginning as you can in explaining to the customer what the process is and not being afraid to give them the number right over the phone. I mean, you know the car is going to be what you're going to call the car. You know what the customer is expecting for it. We put all our prices right online. So, you know, what we found is the closing percentages have gone up. The folks that are willing to participate in the process and get through the process are much more likely to buy the car. They're not going to, especially in a time like this, they're not going to spend the time and risk whatever being out in public or having people come to your house and then not move forward with the sale. So we're finding that our closing percentages are, are increasing. So in terms of things like vehicle selection and other things that, now I know a lot of that happens online in the mind of a consumer or buyer today anyway, but is that even firmer now, uh, Mike, than it might have been previously? Sure. We have to empower the salespeople to say, hey, you know, maybe not this car, how about that car, or this car might fit more into your budget. You have to do as much of the needs discovery part as you did before, as much as you can, because, you know, you're still going to get the guy that wants to buy a Suburban for $300 a month, and you have to dig into what the customer really can afford and suggest a vehicle. So our salespeople have done a good job of doing that. But, yeah, I mean, if the customer is realistic and they sort of know what they want, we have a customer coming in today. We started this process last night. It was actually via Facebook, but they know exactly the car that they want, and we've shown them the price. They have a trade-in that they have sent us photos of. We've given them numbers already over the phone, and they're coming mm -hmm. in to sign paperwork this evening. The biggest challenge, one of the things that I hadn't mentioned, is the F&I process. Thank you for bringing that up. Go ahead. That's really been difficult because, you know, the typical F&I process, the customer's in front of the finance guy and they're presenting a menu and, and they've got engagement. Now, you know, we can get all the approval stuff, but the selling becomes more challenging. Often it's over the phone or via email, so it's hard to get engagement from the customer that way. 
on that part of the process. So we've had to be really flexible on that part. You know, we do have the advantage of using Darwin, so we can send some of the stuff virtually. Customer fills out the interview, and we can send a menu that way. But still, that part's the biggest challenge. Has that hurt your penetration on F&I then? Yeah, it has. It has. Okay. But we're sort of figuring it out, and we're getting back up to where we typically were. So it just takes people a little bit of uh, getting outside of their comfort zone and trying new things, and that'll help us be successful. I'm going to guess, Mike, that maybe the coaching hat you typically wear is a lot bigger these days. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, in the beginning, when everybody's freaking out and they don't know if they should come to work and are we essential, are we non-essential, do I need to stay home, you know, am I putting myself and my family at risk, all of those things are going through my employees' minds, and not just in the car business, but in every business. It's especially with sales, where attitude, you have to keep everybody upbeat and positive. That's been the biggest challenge. And yeah, the coaching hat I wear is, is like a sombrero. <laughs> One last question for both you, Mike and Matt. Now, what we've just been talking about here are ways that Mike and his team have kind of pivoted to more digitally driven, in some cases, sales processes and steps and the safe and social distant manner. But I'm kind of curious to get both of you to share what you think maybe of what's happening today of these different sales processes of getting past what we previously knew as the right way to do things will stick once the market comes back to normal. I guess I'm wondering if we are at the birthplace in some ways of a new type of sales process that emerged out of necessity. Let's start with you, Mike. What are your thoughts there? Hey, look, many people have been looking at virtual sales processes for quite some time now. And some of them might have even dipped their toe in a little bit. But this forces them to develop a process that's going to work for them. I mean, some dealerships are just shutting down. They can't, even if they can be online open, they're just doing trips and drabs of business. But we need to be flexible. The writing's been on the wall for a long time with the Carvanas and the Vrooms. I mean, those guys, those guys are still able to sell cars. This is the future of the business. So if you're not willing to adapt to this environment, then you're not going to survive. What about you, Matt? What's your take? Yeah, no, I 100% agree. I think it's been something that, uh, to use Mike's analogy, that's a perfect way to describe it. Dip your toe in it for a little bit. And I think everybody's going to need to have some sort of e-commerce-based solution. And, of course, a lot of you know laws and things like that were going to need updated to make that happen. But I think if something like this were to happen again or, you know, gosh forbid that it becomes a cyclical virus like the flu or something, to be able to weather this storm Again, you're going to need to have a go-to or a backup plan, if you will. And I think consumers are going to not think of it as a backup plan. They're probably going to prefer this experience. And there may even be something like, uh, may even be something like different, you know, hybridized type of roles in the future for people that do at-home delivery. And maybe that's part of the new F&I process there at that case, right? I mean, there's all sorts of opportunities ahead of us if we treat it as an opportunity that I think could usher in a whole new, possibly even greater era for the industry. I like that optimistic note there, Matt, and I think that's a good spot for us to close this conversation. Mike, thank you for taking part in today's conversation and sharing your perspective. I'm grateful for that. Of course. Thanks for reaching out. It's been fun. You bet. Matt, thank you for taking time as well.
Thank you. Appreciate it. And folks, thank you for listening in to this edition of the V-Auto Podcast. Until next time, stay well.